He's a columnist for the Daily Herald, which means he writes a lot about BYU football. Darnell Dixon joins us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Darnell, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a glorious July as we come to an end, and, and football practice is starting up, so I think I know what we're going to talk about. Exactly. What is the number one question you're going to have answered in camp? Is Zach Wilson healthy? <laughs> I think that's been answered by some people, and, and we've talked about it a lot, and, and the answer we've gotten is, yeah, he's on his way, but until we see him get out there in, in his – practice uniform, throwing the ball and running around with the green jersey on so he doesn't get hit, uh, we'll be skeptical like we usually are. But that's probably the number one question because he was so dynamic, especially at the end of last year. I think that's why BYU fans are, are optimistic this year is they feel like they've got a quarterback that can make some special things happen. How much pressure do you think is on Kalani this season? I, I think there's enough. I mean, I, I, the, the the thing about being a college football coach is that you're only as good as your last win. And and I think he made some strong moves last year in getting in a new offensive staff. And he made some good offseason moves, brought in some good players and trying to increase uh, the amount of depth they have on, on the team. So he's made some good moves. But the only thing that matters is is how you finish the season with wins and losses. I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, look at uh, well, the tough schedule they played and, and look at how close they played. USC or Washington or Utah or whoever, but unless you get victories, then the pressure increases and they have not renewed his contract yet. So I, I would think that Kalani feels it, but I think it's par for the course with pretty much any college football coach out there. Do you think that's a smart move? Because when you don't renew a coach and you make him earn it, and some people like that, but you know the coach will think, well, I'm on pretty thin ice here, so then they are a little more aggressive looking for jobs. Now they have to win for that to pay off but that is the risk of playing it that way. What do you think? Yeah, I think that they should extend him, if only to, to show that confidence and help them in their recruiting efforts. Uh, BYU always does things a little bit differently when it comes to, to contracts. They never even gave Laval Edwards an extended contract until the very end. So um, I, I think they feel like they can do however they want to do it. And it's interesting that Tom Homo has not made that, that offer to Kalani to extend, but um, if, if he does have a great season and earns it, then we'll, we'll be talking about something else. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting subject that, that people kind of wonder why that hasn't happened yet. What do we make of these transfer running backs combined with the holdovers as far as the running game goes? Well, we haven't seen any of them other than, than clips, and, you know, everybody looks great in their highlight videos. So um, I think that Tyson Williams is a little faster and Emmanuel is is more of a – uh, maybe a, a fullback type that can get tough yards up the middle and catch the ball out of the backfield, do some blocking. I think Lapina Katoa has has shown his ability to be um, an every-down kind of guy as long as he's healthy. And, and as we saw last year, they needed to have four or five running backs because of injuries, and, and so they, they probably want to rotate through all these guys. But we want to get a look at them during practice, and that 15 or 20 minutes that we get a couple times a week is going to have to suffice until that first game until we can see. But anybody with experience in college football um, that comes to your program is a big plus because they've been through all of this this summer camp and, and competition for positions and all the things that take place. So I think that, that that's one of those areas we, that people like to talk about. They've increased their depth and, and, and the talent level, and that's that's a place where 
in the kind of offense that Jeff Grimes wants to run, he wants to be able to establish that run. And, and if, if these guys are as advertised, then they're going to have the opportunity to do that. So, of course, running the ball means the O-line, and that means not just the O-line, but the tight ends. And uh, on media day, he talked about the desire for double tight ends. Do you think they have the talent of that position to make that work? They have talent of that position, and they have a lot of versatility, I think, because Matt Bushman is really a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end, and they'll split him out a lot. But they also have some guys with some good size that can step in and block. Um, if, if Joe Tukalafo comes back, that gives him another guy with good size. And they have a lot of good young players that are coming into the program that, that are um, that either redshirted or a freshman, Isaac Rex, Carter Wheat, Hank Tui-Pelotu. So I, I think – that what they, they ought to do, and, and this is not just me, but a lot of people talking, that they need to get the ball to Matt Bushman more. He, he had a really good average per reception last year, made some big plays, but he only caught around 30 passes, and he needs to catch about twice that many, I think, for that offense to be super efficient and to score a lot of points. So they'll throw it to Bushman a lot, and then they'll bring in other guys to, to try to uh, establish that run game, and, and Bushman has improved his blocking ability. So at that position, I think they're pretty good for the next few years, and, and they, they have, good, like I said, good versatility in that spot where they can do different things. Do you think when it comes to Kalani and his success, they'll grade on a curve? And what I mean by that is the difficulty of the schedule and all that, so expecting 10, 11 wins is probably not realistic. So when he's evaluated, it will be under the new form of what is realistic. Yeah, if you take a look at his first season, they they had a lot of close games, and they, they lost a few and won a few of those. And I think if they pull off a season like that, then he's graded on that curve. It's, okay, you're you're making improvements. The schedule's tough. You played everybody tough. You're in every game. The, the ones that cause issue, I think there's two issues with Kalani right now, and one of those is that there, there have been games when they've been completely out of it. And the other, the other issue is they've not been very good at home. And it's really, really important for Kalani and his future at BYU football to start winning some of those games at home. They, they lost to Northern Illinois last year and didn't score a touchdown. And that that's really unheard of in, at BYU. And so the opportunity is there to play Utah, USC, Provo, uh, play Washington and Provo, play um, Boise State and Provo. Those are all games that, that if you win those games at home, then the perception is that you're you're making improvements and things are going better. So I think those two areas are, are where Kalani and his team need to really step up this year is to, to be in every single game, even the ones they lose, and, and to really start to dominate at home and, and give the fans and the administration some, something to hang their hat on there. That all sounds good and sounds like a good plan, but what do you think their record's going to be after four games? <laughs> after four games, I would suspect – if they can get a couple of wins out of those four games, that'll be a successful start. And, um, you know, that first game against Utah, it, it's going to be crazy because both teams are in the same situation where they, they're, it's the first game. And you don't know there are some certain unknowns on your roster and players that you don't know if they're going to step up or not or what positions. And, and both teams are going to be all pretty much healthy, they hope, uh, at that point. So it'll be full speed. And all, all but one of those games and those eight that Utah have won have been super close. So I don't expect anything different there. Um, but but if, you, if you get through those first four games, and, I, I, you know, to be honest, I think the Washington game could be really interesting if BYU is able to build a little momentum because no one expected them to go into Madison and beat Wisconsin last year. I, I thought it would be a three-touchdown loss at least. 
And so BYU goes in and wins that game. So Washington was a team last year that BYU did not compete with and didn't really have much of a shot at winning that game. And and so I wouldn't be surprised if BYU gives Washington a good game there in, in Lavelle Edwards Stadium if they get a little momentum going early. But, yeah, two wins out of those those four games would be a really good start uh, for Kalani and the guys. They've had some great impact players on defense over the last few years. Guys have gone into the NFL, obviously, at the linebacker position. Three come to mind for sure. Uh, can you throw some names out and who you think can really be difference makers defensively? Well, I think that they've got a couple of linebackers that certainly will. Zane Anderson showed he could make plays last year, and then he got hurt and kind of tried to play through the injury. Eventually they shut him down, but he showed he's got the speed and, and the ability to, to get out and cover and tackle. Um, I think that late in the season, Isaiah Kafusi and, and, and anybody who watched the Utah game saw what an impact he had in that one before he got hurt and had to come out. I think those two linebackers are guys that can make a lot of plays for them. And then uh, Diane Gunwalaku is an interesting pick in a secondary because he may play safety he may play corner depending on how some things break during fall camp he's that talented and I, I think he's got NFL ability um, as, as, a, as a safety if he, if he gets that opportunity so those are three guys that the defensive line has some good players I'm not sure who they're going to have that's going to dominate um, we've been hearing a lot about Kiris Tonga and how he's been able to get his weight down and we know when he is on his game, he's very difficult to block. So those are four guys that I kind of think uh, are the the playmakers. And and when you when you lose a guy like like uh, Corbin Kafusi, and when you lose Sione Taki Taki, those guys made a lot of plays last year, a lot of sacks, a lot of tackles for loss. And and we we saw kind of games Sione Taki Taki had against Wisconsin. That probably was one of those games that that scouts looked at and got him drafted and got him his, his opportunity in the NFL. So I think the defense will be will be pretty good. I, I'm we always look and say, well, who's going to rush the passer? And whenever we ask the coaches that question, they always say, well, it's it's more about pressure than it is about about getting sacks. But um, those are some questions that will be answered. And they also need to come up with a Mike linebacker, a guy in the middle, to kind of set the tone. And, they, and they're, they've got several younger guys that are looking there. But I'd say those four guys that I just said uh, talked about are the ones that are impact players on defense. Darnell Dixon joining us, columnist for the Daily Herald, covering BYU football uh, the specialists, they're going to be okay there. You talk about playing teams close, you get in a close game, often one kick could be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, I, I like the, the the battle between Skyler Southam and Jake Oldroyd at kicker. I think that's going to be fun one to watch. We know Jake Oldroyd hit the, the game winner um, uh, a few years ago against uh, Arizona, and, and nobody even really knew who the kid was. He looked like he was about 15. Uh, Skyler Southern has a great leg, leads to work on consistency. They're, they're, they're pretty set at the, uh, the deep snapper position with Mitch Harris. And, and we don't know a whole lot about Danny Jones. He's the, the Australian that, that came in a couple of years ago, and, and he's going to be a punter for them. Um, field position plays a big role, as we all know, and, and that's something that, that BYU has, has been working really hard on to try to get, uh, try to get that on their side of the ledger, and, and especially in those first four games. If you got to make your offense work 80 or 90 yards, that's when you're going to have some issues. So I think they'll be okay there, and we'll get a good look at those guys. That's mainly what they let us watch when it comes to uh, those last 15, 20 minutes of practice. We get to see the guys kicking, so maybe we'll, we'll be able to, to give you an idea of what's going on there after we see that. 
On that defensive side, Darnell, you didn't mention Chaz Ayu, and they're moving him, I think, from back up to linebacker, and he had a ton of hype coming in as a high school recruit. Is he ready? I think he's ready, and, and I, I think the biggest question for BYU right now is where do they put him? And, and you know, the, the big coaches uh, thing they like to say is get the best 11 on the field, and, and if Chaz is one of those guys, you got to find a spot for him. He can play some linebacker for you. He, he can, he's played safety before, and, and he's an impact player. And, and, and you know, when, when you talk about your, your defensive players, it's one thing to be in the right place at the right time. It's another thing to make a play. And certain guys have a knack for that. And I think Chaz does have a knack for making a play, for causing a fumble, tipping a ball, um, um, you know, getting a tackle for loss, um, tipping the ball to a teammate, whatever it happens to be. And, and those kind of guys need to be on the field so you can you can get those quick change plays and get those turnovers, which, you know, if we're talking about the Utah game, Utah always seems to get that pick six that gives them momentum and, 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 and really stops what BYU is doing. And BYU has not been able to do that against Utah. So the more guys you can get on the field that can make those kind of plays, the, the better off you're going to be. So, yeah, Chaz, Chaz is going to have an impact for sure this year, I think. Darnell Dixon joining us, BYU football columnist for the Daily Herald. Uh when you look at the the big games and, and the priority games, obviously Utah's a huge game. Boise State and Utah State, they play them every year, but the Pac-12 schools, you know, that carries a lot. Can, can you value some of these games more than others or not really? They're all one, and it's just going to add up to six or seven or eight wins or whatever. Well, the coaches and players will tell you that they all count the same, but we, we all know they don't. <laughs> and I think that – that a win against Utah, regardless of how the rest of the season goes, would go a long way in, in, in the, the BYU fans' perception of the program. Um, it's been a while since they've won, and, and everyone knows that. And and they've had some close games and opportunities to win, and they haven't done it. I, I think you have to value your home games a lot, and I mentioned that before, but getting USC at Little Edwards Stadium is a really big one, too. Getting Washington to come there on back-to-back weeks, that, that could be a really, really big couple of weekends for, for BYU football if they could pull off some wins there. So, like, like I say, I think the home win's got to be a, a high priority, and, and you have to value each win, but everyone knows the one that they got to get and, and the one they really want to get is that Utah game and kind of stop that, that uh, perception that they can't keep up. With the mission situation and red shirts and gray shirts and all that stuff, particularly at BYU, it takes a little time for a coach to make an imprint on a program or a staff for that matter. And now we're at that position where Kalani, now most of his guys, if not all of them, should be his guys and guys coming back from missions and then having time to get their bodies in shape. Going forward now, particularly as he's made changes on the offensive staff and gotten coaches in who he's wanted, is from this time forward, you think it's now much a fair, much more fair evaluation of the performance that he's doing as opposed to when he first started? Oh, for sure. And, and I, I think that that happens with just about any new coach. As he comes in, he gets his guys in, the other guys move on. If you have success with the other guys' guys, then, then you have to make sure that you can bring in your own players, your own kind of um, – your OKGs, your our kind of guys that, that can make a difference. It was interesting. I was looking at the, the roster the other day. I think I counted somewhere around 60 freshmen or redshirt freshmen on this roster, and that's just unbelievable that, that they've had. But they, you can see that there's a plan there. They wanted to 
get guys bigger and stronger and, and, and the new red shirt rule in the NCAA where you could play in four games and still keep your red shirt year, um, that, that's made a big difference. And I, I think that Kalani and his staff are building the program that way so they have guys that are seasoned and ready to go. And, and you definitely look at, at uh, this roster. And with BYU, it's a little tougher because there's other missions, as you said, and things like that. But he is getting guys in place that the, he recruited and his staff recruited. And he'll tell you, too, you know, if, if I can't win with these guys, there's no excuses. And it, it's, it's the guys I've built, the team I've built, and the, the, the schedule that we've built, and the assistant coaches and new offensive staff. I think Jeff Grimes is going to be a lot more comfortable calling plays this year because he's more comfortable with the talent um, and they're going to execute for him better. I think last year that Grimes had some games where he looked really, really good out of Wisconsin game plan was terrific. The first half, most three quarters of the Utah game plan was amazing. Uh, but then there were times when he made some, some calls where I, I didn't, didn't exactly sure, wasn't sure what he was up to. And he was Kalani because Kalani has challenged the offensive staff, even in, in the media and said, we want you guys to be more aggressive. I'm open to anything. Let me know what you got. Let's let's uh, let's be aggressive. So, all those things play into it, and and I think that there's enough talent on this team where they can have success this year. Um, are, are they going to get to to ten wins? That would be amazing if they could. But I, I think more realistically, you're looking at probably seven or eight, and, and and maybe breaking nine if they can pull off a few upsets. Darnell, we appreciate a few minutes, and we'll talk to you again later this season. Thanks for coming on with us. All right, fellas, stay out of trouble.